This is where we are this morning in the book of Judges. Turn to Judges chapter 16 this morning and we are going to continue through our reading plan where this week we've come up and read about a couple of key judges and one of, his na- one of them is named Samson, Judges chapter 16. So we're going to try and move through his story this morning as we continue in this series against all odds and answer the question, can God still use me when I failed? Now the short answer is yes, he can. Yes, he can. That's the good news. The question is, how do we go about that? And so that's what we want to look at this morning. And so uh, I want to tie a couple of loose ends together as you're finding your place in Judges chapter 16. Is, and that is, if you're one of our guests, as Scott said, hey, dinner with the staff is a, an incredible way for you to just learn about who we are as a church. And it's a free meal. Child care is available. So I would just encourage you, if you're one of our guests this morning, maybe you've been coming a couple of times, or maybe you're thinking, this could be the place for us. We would love to have you come and hear. It is really the best way that you can get a 30,000-foot view of the vision and the mission, mission God has given us. So please come to that. And then last week, I, I, I wanted just to... Thank you guys for the commitments that you made last week. You remember at the end of our time, we had a card that we filled out. And uh, really, together, we moved forward and put our commitments to Christ on the altar here, literally. We laid them down here. And there were so many wonderful things that came out of that card as far as commitments that you made. For instance, some people wanted to go to dinner with the staff. Some people wanted to learn more about getting connected to a life group or a discipleship group, and all those things were wonderful. But I think the thing that stirred me the most were the names of people that you are praying for to come to faith in Jesus. It was amazing. I think there was somewhere in between 225 and 245 names of people. Or, for instance, um, offices. Hey, I'm praying for my office, the people in my office to come to faith in Christ, or maybe my family, so we didn't have all of their names down. But that is remarkable, church. And as we move together in the Word, as we have been, as we're reading together through our reading plan, and as we worship together, we're moving together in the Word, together in our worship, so we've come together under the banner of Taylor's worship every single week now, maybe God is beginning to stir us and beginning to move in us. What really is our heart is that we move together in witness as well. So an incredible week last week as we committed ourselves to Christ. And so Judges chapter 16. Tim Roller, come on up here. Tim is going to read our scripture for us today. This is Tim Roller. He is a great, great guy. He's married to Allison. Tim and Allison have three girls, one at Liberty University. Is that right? One at Liberty University and two in high school. And uh, Tim has done all sorts of things. Tim, I was Allison, you've been involved in all sorts of things here at Taylor's. Allison's a basketball coach, so she is the one. She's the athlete in the family. Isn't that right, Tim? She's the athlete in the family. And uh, they just have enriched this body so much. But here's the thing about Tim. All the things he's done, he has a huge passion to see this place move forward. 
So much so that he and Allison, along with four other individuals, have started a young professionals class. And uh, they're worshiping with us here at the 9 o'clock hour. The young professionals class that began last week is meeting at the 1030 hour. And so we're just really, really cheering you guys on and grateful for that. But Tim, thank you, brother, for all you do. Let me grab you a microphone back here. And then we're going to stand for the reading of the word. Would you please stand with us as Tim takes us to Judges chapter 16 this morning. And beginning in verse 21, And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison, but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their god and to rejoice, and they said, Our god has given Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their god. For they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars, and Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women, all the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tim. You may be seated, and may the Lord bless the reading and the teaching of his word this morning. So here is where we are in our reading plan and in our time in the Word together. We've moved into the promised land with the children of Israel. They now are present in the land, but because of their disobedience, and we see this over and over and over again in the book of Judges, because of their disobedience, and really a cycle of disobedience occurs at the beginning of the book of Judges, and it happens throughout all the book. And here's the cycle. You ready? There's four things. If you want to write them down real quickly here, it's not on the screen, but I'll give them to you. Number one, the people rebel against God. Number two, God judges them and puts them into slavery to the people groups around them. Number three, they cry out to God because of the way that the people groups around them oppress them. So they rebel, they're put in slavery, they cry out to God, and God, with great compassion, rescues them with a judge. He rescues them with one of the superheroes throughout the book of Judges that comes, and God uses him or her to rescue them from these people. So that is the context. This happens over and over throughout the book of Judges. And when it comes to this particular judge, his name is Samson. And he is going to be one of the very last judges that we're going to read about here in the book of Judges. And he's a unique character because from his very birth, while some of the other judges received their calling differently, Samson from his very birth was called upon to be someone who would rescue the Israelites from the Philistines. And so his mother, receiving a message from an angel 
understands that he is going to be special. He is going to be unique, and he is going to be the rescuer of his people. And he is unique because this judge is going to have a very gifting that is, is different than the other ones. He is going to be, he's going to have this physical strength, this physical strength that's going to help overthrow his enemies. And this physical strength is going to be marked by what? It's going to be marked by this vow that he takes, that his parents take when he is small, when he's given birth, this vow that he is not going to cut his hair, that he's not going to drink alcohol, or he's going to touch anything that is ceremonially unclean. So this is who this guy is. He has this vow. He's to honor this in devotion of the Lord, and in return, there'll be this great strength to overcome his enemies. But what Tim just read for us is the climax of his life. This is when it's going to end. And if we were to leave it right there where Tim read, we would look at Samson and all his potential and say he is a failure. He has failed to do what God has asked him to do. And if we were to leave him there, we would say that failure in his life is final. But it's not. It's not. We're going to see that God uses this time that Tim just read about, this time of humiliation, this time of failure, God is going to use it. And God is going to use it to accomplish what he ultimately wants to accomplish there among the people of Israel as they defeat the Philistines. But here's the thing. God wants to use failure in our lives as well. Every single one of us have failed. They say now that in job interviews, that one of the primary questions that an interviewer will ask, a boss will ask, a potential employee, is this question, tell me about a time when you have failed in your life. Or tell me about your greatest failure. Now, why does a boss or an interviewer want to know that? He wants to know how open, how, how, how transparent this employee will be. Is he committed? Is he committed to this company or to this organization? Is he, is he all in with his life? Is he, is he going to be truthful enough to talk about a time when he doesn't look as good? And is he going to learn from that? Is he going to understand that this is a time in which while he failed, he can learn, he can move forward, he can become better, he can become more effective? And if we were to be, we were to stand across from Jesus this morning, and he were to look at you and to bring you aside privately and to simply ask you, son or daughter, Tell me about the time in which you failed. What would you say to him? Tell me about your greatest failure in life. Now, here's the thing. Jesus already knows about it. Here's the thing. Jesus already understands where you've fallen. And every single one of us, because we are human, we can raise our hands and we can say, oh, we, we failed you. You're probably thinking right now about maybe a, an experience or a circumstance or a cycle 
of sin that has occurred in your life, just as I've laid out for you among the, the children of Israel, this cycle of rebellion and then judgment and then crying out for God and, and deliverance. But then it starts again, and this cycle for the children of Israel kept spiraling downward, and it got worse and worse and worse till the end of Judges. God says, you need a king. And maybe in your life, your failure, you recognize that downward spiral, that start again, stop again, start again, stop again, following after Jesus. And, and you continue to move downward and downward to a point where you reach the bottom and you, like Samson, ha are humiliated and you're defeated and you're wondering how in the world, if you're there now, you're wondering how in the world can God use that? Or maybe you look back at a failure in the past and it trips you up and you can't get started again. You can't move forward again because it's always holding you back. It's always keeping you from moving forward with great abandonment after Jesus and what he has called you to do as a follower of his. We want to learn this morning, and I want to give you just five words Five words this morning to help us when it comes to failure. And these have helped me, and hopefully it'll help you this morning. And they're under two categories if you're taking notes. And we're simply going to try and walk through the life of Samson really quickly here. It's four chapters, Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16. It's a long story. There's no way we can cover all of them. But we just kind of want to move through and see what we can glean from the Scriptures this morning. Category number one, failure as a teacher. Failure as a teacher. Failure can teach us if we get to the point where we're willing to understand where we are. I like what one writer said this past week. And he was writing about Gideon. And he was saying Gideon, as he was oppressed by, uh, he was oppressed by the uh, Midianites. That, those were the people group that he was battling. He wanted relief from the Midianites. And so this author had a very insightful point when he said, you know what? Oftentimes we want relief but God leaves us where we are so that we can interpret and understand why we are there. When we fail, when we're in the prison, when we cannot see anymore, that is the time to understand and interpret why are we here and failure can be a teacher. So word number one this morning is absence. Absence. How can failure teach us? There was an absence in Samson's life of following after God's ways and God's word. He repeatedly would take steps in which he would be absent, from, God would be absent from his life. And here's what happened. The more times that he stepped away from God. Here's what God has said. Here is his word. The more that he stepped away from God, he got used to living and functioning apart from God. So as often as he would step away, he suddenly became used to functioning and living apart from God. He has this Nazarite vow. And this vow is, is meant to guard him and protect him. And this vow is meant to cause him to thrive in the mission God has given him. But he disobeys the vow. He touches unclean things. He touches dead things. We know that his, his weakness, his primary weakness, was women. Following in falling in love with women and following after women with all of his heart. Women that he shouldn't have been falling in love with. In chapter, in chapter um, 
14, we see he demands, I want a wife of the Philistines. He demands it. Uh, Father, mother, give me this wife. And it leads to nothing but trouble. And in Judges chapter 16, verse 1, look at the very first phrase. Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw what? A prostitute. Goes into a prostitute there. There we find in the very next paragraph in verse 4, after this, he loved a woman of the Valley of Sork, another Philistine woman. So here is my point. Samson is a person who doesn't have control of his life. He's undisciplined spiritually. He's not connected to the holiness God has designed for him. And so he keeps taking these steps away from God. I want a Philistine wife. I'm going to touch a dead animal after I kill it. His anger is out of control. It leads to conflict. It leads to the cycle of destruction. But he begins, he takes all of these steps, and ultimately he operates and functions apart from the holiness of God. I listened to a sermon this past week. It was a remarkable sermon about God's holiness and about obedience. And here's what I came away with, and it was remarkable. Here's what I began to understand, that when God gives us holiness... When he gives us his word, when he gives us his ways, when he says, this is my design for you spiritually and emotionally and physically and and sexually and relationally and how you work in these areas where we all fail. When God gives us those things, he is not strapping us down and restricting us. That's how we view it. Instead, he is giving us the uniform. He is giving us the clothes, the garb. Put on, Paul says in the New Testament, holiness in these things. He is giving us the uniform by which we can accomplish his mission. We can display his image. We can display his glory. We can tell the world this is how God operates. And just as Clark Kent, he takes off those glasses, he goes into the phone booth, he comes out with that awkward-looking uniform. It doesn't look very, very fun to me. That's the uniform by which he's to thrive in his mission to save the world. Just like Iron Man, Tony Stark, when he puts on that clunky suit, it's not meant to restrict him. It's meant to what? To enable him to... Peter Parker, a young man, puts on that Spider-Man suit. That thing's got to be the most uncomfortable thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Wrapped around his head. He's all, Why though? Why is this not meant to hold him back? It's what? It's to enable him to do his mission. And so when it comes to holiness, the more and more that we step away, the more and more that we're absent from the presence of God daily, the more and more we are going to learn to just function and operate without him. Second word. Then we become arrogant. You might not call it that, but there's this sense of arrogance, this sense that I can do anything that I want to do and get away with it. And this was the heart of Samson. He goes into Delilah, this last woman. He goes into her, and um, three times she begins to, she tries to persuade him to tell what is the secret behind your strength. He has been a menace. He has been someone who has killed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Philistines. They understand that if they can get him, he'll stop terrorizing them. 
And so Delilah is sent in to persuade him, and this has happened before, and, and, and this is where the arrogance comes in. There's this sense that now that I operate absent from the holiness of God and from what he has designed for me, now that I live over here in this funk, then you begin to take on this arrogance that I can do whatever I want to do and get away with it. And this is how Samson lived. He functioned as if there was no one that could stop him. He functioned as if there was, there was no way he was going to be called on the carpet for what he's doing. He functioned as if there, there, that life just existed for himself to display this strength that God had given him. It's only by God's grace that God allowed him to continue in this strength. And he continued to operate in not only absent from God's ways, but in arrogance against God's ways, which leads to the third thing. And that is ultimately then he would abandon his heart. He would abandon his heart. He would leave the heart for God and for mission that he had been given. And instead, he would give it over to somebody else. Skip down to verse uh, let's see here, verse 19, and listen to what Delilah has to say to him. She said to him, how can you say I love you? In other words, she's trying to seduce Samson here, and, and, and how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words, day after day, and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. Can't you see the, the battle going on inside his heart? And he told her what? All his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. And if my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Phil Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. Here's what happens to Samson. Absence from God leads to arrogance against God, which leads to abandonment of God. How many times do we read it in the text? Gave her all that was inside of her, his heart. He divulged everything. It was almost as if he was saying, I now give up. I now give in. I now give it to you. And here's the sad part of what has happened in the life of Samson. Let's keep reading. The lords of the Philistines came up, brought the money to her, and she made him sleep on her knees. And she called a man and had him shave off the seven lots of his head. And she began to torment him, and his strength left him. I mean, this is, this is a strong, capable, this, this is a man who has killed out. This is a man who has, who has torn apart a lion with his bare hands, as it says in one of the previous chapters. And this woman is just tormenting him. She said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times and I will shake myself free. Now, this is, this is telling. I, I, you know, he's operated apart from God so long that he says, you know what? Uh, no big deal. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go out and, and, and succeed. I'm going to go out and pull this thing off. I do it every single time. It's going to happen again. 
But then one of the saddest commentaries in all the book of Judges follows next. One of the saddest lines. But he did not know that the Lord had what? Had left him. Failure. Failure is when the Lord leaves us. And this is what has happened to Samson. And, and Samson's failure is a, is a teaching moment, a warning sign for all of us. Where are you? Where does the warning light go off under A, B, or C? Under absent, taking steps away from God. Under, under arrogance, I'm, I'm no longer humble to listen or to learn or to draw back to God. I'm arrogant. Or C, you've totally abandoned. Where, where does the warning light go off? A few days ago, my, my wife said, said, honey, um, Emma Grace's car, her warning light has gone off. Can, can you go ahead and take a look and see what it is? So I get in and I turn on the ignition. It's the check engine light. And the check engine light is the warning light of all warning lights, right? You don't want to get left on the side of the road. And so I came to, um, I came to Emma Grace and I said, sweetheart, um, your, your check engine light is on. Oh, yeah, that's been on for a while now. <laughs> I said, sweetie, sweetie. I know your car's a little bit older, and there's probably lights that are going to pop on and proper, you know, maybe maybe windshield wiper fluid, or there's just going to be different different lights that are going to pop on. Like, that is the one you have to pay the most attention to. Where does the warning light pop up in your life so that failure, your, your failure from the past, it can be a teacher for you now? Secondly, failure as a tool. Failure as a tool. I love how this ends. It's tragic. It's tragic. But God still uses failure to accomplish his purposes, which is to defeat the Philistines. Samson here is in a prison. His eyes are gouged out. In verse 22, I love just the simple statement of the narrator there when it says, but the hair of his head began to grow again. In other words, here's hope in the middle of failure. Here's hope. He, his hair is coming back. In other words, there's this sense that God's presence, if his servants will turn to him, will come back. And his hair begins to grow back. And he's down, and, he, and he's probably, he's probably around this millstone, and, he, and, he's, and he's grinding the grain like an animal. He's probably hooked up to this long stick, and a donkey would, would, would kind of just push around this large millstone. And here's Samson, eyes out, hair starting to grow back, but pushing like a donkey the grain. But failure can still be a tool. He's brought out to the Philistines, and they make fun of him. Picture, if you will, this beautiful arena built to this God. And ultimately, here is what Samson is understanding, that is more at stake than just him. This is a battle in his life between the, God of the, the gods of the Philistines and the one true God. And he begins to understand, oh my goodness, the name of Almighty God is at stake now because here's what they're saying, that our God is greater than his God. My failure, my abandonment has led to the defaming of the one true God. Can failure still be a tool? Yeah, it can. He keeps grinding and the hair keeps, keeps growing and 
They would bring him out to entertain these lords of the Philistines. These are the leaders, probably the, the political leaders, probably the military leaders. Think of the State of the Union. When the president speaks to the State of the Union, and there, there's thousands of, of people that are there, these leaders, and here they are, and they're under one roof, under this, this, this large upper deck, if you will, and there's these two columns. And Samson says to this young boy that is putting him there to, to entertain him, he says, would you just put my two hands on either side of the pillar? A picture of this scene. Humiliated. A failure. But watch what happens. Watch what happens. I love this prayer that Samson makes. Verse 28, Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord, here it is, two-part prayer. Please remember me and strengthen me. Please remember me. And maybe that's your prayer this, this week. Please, Lord, Lord, remember me. The fourth word I want to give you under failure as a tool is this. God can still use it when we confess. Confess what? Confess our sin? Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's this sense of when Samson says, Lord, remember me. It's as if he's confessing this, God. I have operated my life in such a way where I have completely forgotten you. And if in your mercy, even though I've forgotten you, would you still look upon me? Confession. It's a beautiful word. It's a sense of opening up your life and saying, God, I'm tired of operating this way. Confession. And then he says, strengthen me. The last word, really, it's two words. Confession and gospel confidence. Here's how failure is used as a tool. That as Samson stood there and put his arms, stretched and began to stretch out his arms, and if you read the rest of the story, here's what happens. He cries out to God, please remember me, please strengthen me, and as he pushes, the whole building caves in, and the Philistines, all these leaders, it decimates the Philistines. It decimates the people because their leaders are now dead. And it says in the book of Judges that there was peace because Samson, Samson and those after ruled over the Philistines for 20 more years. God accomplishes what he wants to do through Samson's failure, but he does so because he expresses great confidence in God. Because here's what I, what I want you to remember and understand when it comes to gospel confidence. And it is this, that you, when you fail, you might think you are at your weakest. You might be embarrassed. You might be humiliated. You might feel there is no way I can move forward. I am stuck in failure. But that is exactly where the gospel of Jesus Christ comes in. This is where Jesus comes in, the one who comes and stretches out his arms, the one who is humiliated, the one who is embarrassed, the one who is spit upon, the one who is mocked, the one who takes 
your sin upon him. And as he stretches out his arm, he defeats the enemy called sin. He defeats it so that in our weakness and in our humiliation and in our utter hopelessness, we cry out to God and say, God, would you, number one, would you save me from my sin? But then secondly, God, as I failed, would you apply the gospel of forgiveness and strength to those who are weak? Would you apply it to me this morning? God remembered Samson. And God strengthened him. And through Christ this morning, listen, God will strengthen you. He wants to be your strength. One writer said, we often want to be strong in a way that reflects well on us. God wants us to be strong in a way that reflects well on him and his gospel. So this morning, I call upon you, call upon you. If you failed, learn. Understand that it can be a teacher. It can teach you, but it can be a tool. It can be a tool resting in the hands of Christ to make come alive that which was dead, to redeem that which you think is hopelessly lost, to move you forward on a path in which you say, there is no way I can move forward. That is what gospel confidence can do. And I offer it, I offer it, I offer it. I claim it for myself this week and for every person has walked the road of failure. Will you pray with me now? Lord, we recognize that in this fallen superhero that you have pointed the way to Jesus. The announcement of an angel, of someone who would rescue his people, one who was to live sinlessly and to defeat the enemy. And while you still use failure in the life of Samson to accomplish what you wanted, there is a, a better Samson, a greater Samson. His name is Jesus. And so we turn to him now and the fountain of blessing that pours through his life and through his gospel and we claim it for our failure we claim it for our lives we claim it for the sake of your glory in us fallen sinners needy but yet trusting in almighty god so father thank you for our time in the word would you now help us to respond as the holy spirit would have us respond in christ's name we pray Will you stand with me now and we'll sing this wonderful song, this wonderful hymn, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. And I, I'm going to stand right down here as our team leads us. And if there's anything that you want to come forward this morning to pray about, I'll be glad to pray with you something personal, 
We have people that can come and wrap their arms around you and back here and just pray with you through that. Or maybe you want to join the church or maybe you want to express some sort of commitment that you weren't able to express last week. I'm here for the rest of us. Let's sing together this wonderful song of worship. Come thou fountain of every blessing.